What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 122, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode Sight Unseen. Sight Unseen. And Zach, we're back. We're back. We the- had a... F- Go ahead. You were no, gonna I was something. just going to make some sort of joke about sight unseen and that we have been unseen and now we've been seen again. That's right. We've been floating in and out of parallel dimensions. And what was happening was that uh, people uh, people out in uh, the Great West were seeing these strange bug-like creatures show up. Uh, those bug-like creatures would be Zach and me. And uh, we'd flit around and people would be like, ah! And then we'd leave. And now everybody's thinking that it's fine. It's good. Yeah. It's so... In fact, I was actually in Colorado Springs. And while I was not in Colorado Springs, uh, we were... Let's see, I'm trying to think of of a relationship to the show. Um, No. Were you near Area 51? No, we weren't near Area 51. We were we were within like uh you know five thousand strong stone throws away from Vancouver, Washington, or not Washington, um British Columbia, but um, ah, but uh, we were not actually in Vancouver. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, hey, we're back, and uh, we are getting our feet back underneath us. I just have to read the words. Let me just look over here. Let's just <laughs> read words. We're an independent podcast. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate. We've got tiers. We've got privileges. We've got tiers and privileges. Uh, Zach could tell us more about that in a bit. Uh, one of the things that we do is that we create Patreon-first content. Uh, we've got the other side of the gate where Zach and David talk about spoilery things, and I'm not allowed to listen. And I think I've told you this before, but it manifests itself in strange ways like when there's audio trouble. I don't know. Um, so we had a situation, what, a month or two ago where David was like, oh, uh, <laughs> here, use this file instead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, sure, fine, we'll do that. Uh, Zach and I also do Stargate Second Chances, which um, we have not decided when we are doing the Bane episode, but we've got the Bane episode to do. Mm-hmm. And so Zach and I will figure that thing out, and we'll probably get that recorded here relatively soon. Um, back when we were originally contemplating it, both of us were exhausted and about to go on vacation, and now both of us are back from vacation and less exhausted. So um, at least I am. Uh, yeah, so, less exhausted. That's a good way of talking. That's about right. It. I mean, by no means am I going to say that I am replenished, but uh, we're less we're less depleted. Um, but anyway, Stargate Second Chances. That's where Zach and I watch an episode again. Zach for the five hundredth time, me for the second time, and we re-review it. Um, and we've had a lot of fun with several of those episodes up until now. Uh, but if you are saying to yourself, oh, you guys are doing that thing, huh? You, you're, you're making that content uh, just for the people that give you money. And then, uh, you know, the rest of us have to just sit outside and be all like, please, sir, can I have your scraps? Nope. No, no, no. You might have noticed last week we dropped uh, The Other Side of the Gate, episode six, where I was a special guest and also um, a friend of the show, Rowan, was a special guest. And uh, so that's what we do. We create this stuff. We put it on Patreon first, and then we put it on the main feed when we want to do things like go on vacation. So, yeah, if uh, somebody in your life wants more Stargate content and they are trying to find a podcast to listen to, they can find our lovely little project in um, 
Google Podcasts still. Google changed the thing. Our podcast aggregator emailed me saying, don't worry, we got it covered. And so that's good. Um, Apple Podcasts, I believe, though I think their shenanigans are resulting in strange numbers on our um, uh, like subscriber list, etc., which whatever, it's fine. I, you're all there. I see you there. I thank you very much. But like Apple's being weird. And um, Spotify Podcasts, which has always been weird, but they've been consistently weird. So uh, at least I don't feel so bad about that one. However, if you want to be like the cool kids, you should get yourself a podcast aggregator. Uh, I use Overcast. I used Pocket Casts before. There's many of them. Uh, And if you type in walking through the Stargate, you will undoubtedly find it or this hypothetical person that you're going to tell them about. Um, So, oh yeah, another note. Uh, Speaking of Rowan, hey, I see you, Rowan. I see you. Thank you very much for supporting us on Patreon. Uh, So we are getting really, really close to one of the um, goals. What is it? Tears? Uh, Whatever. No, not tears. One of the other things. Um, It's a goal. It's a goal. Uh, Where we're going to do some fun stuff. Uh, And if you want access to the fun stuff and if you want to help contribute to that, which the reason why I'm making it vague is because Zach, I'm going to punch it over to you so you can talk about it. Uh, But listener, friend, dear friend, if you want to make this thing happen, you just go over to patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate and voila, you very well may be the person that gets us over that edge. Um, Zach. Yes, Brent. I have spent five minutes and 30 seconds talking uh, i need to get a little bit more crisp and clean if somebody wants to uh, remind me how i used to do this so that i can stay on pace and not blab how might they get a hold of us and uh, let us know that so if you have discovered that after this extensive break and uh, we have forgotten how to podcast properly, mm-hmm. and you remember how it was done and feel the need in your bones to share that with us, we want to hear from you, and you can do that in several ways. You could email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com, which is W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-O-G-H-T-H-E-S-T-A-R-G-A-T-E at gmail.com. It literally sounded like you were stretching your mouth and jaw in a way that was not natural. (laughs) Well, if it sounded like that, that's because it's just what I was doing. (laughs) Nice. You could also go to Twitter, follow us at Stargate Walking and talk to us there. There's, of course, the Facebook page and the Facebook group. Both of those are called Walking Through the Stargate because we're original like that. Hey, you can also keep, go to our website, which is wtts.space. And, of course, there's the patreon.com slash walking through the stargate where you can get access to all that fun stuff. Yeah, we are at uh, just... About $20 now, and then we'll hit that $75 a month mark, which mm-hmm. brings us to Stargate Infinity. If we can yeah. get to $75 a month of Patreon support, we will be watching uh, Stargate Infinity, and we'll podcast about that like we do with everything else. And you Patreon listeners will be able to hear that first. And those of you who are not able to or don't want to uh, will be able to listen to that later. That's exciting. Yes. So it is uh, sort of, I don't, I'm not looking forward to subjecting myself to this punishment. However, I mean, come on, it's going to, we, we're going to have fun with it because that's just how we roll. That is. 
So if we take it in the spirit of what is given, that is to say something that is silly and dumb, yeah, then we will have a great time with it. If we are looking yes. for great Stargate canon, well, it's not in Stargate Infinity. Yeah, it's just not even there. <laughs> no, it's, it's we're going to be sorely just we're going to be walking around going like where 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 is it? Where where's the where's the stuff? Uh, it's not there. Yeah, well, you know, uh, so. Um, we have gotten some votes. Uh, so like I said, Bane, we are coming up with that. We've been with there. We just had a day through vacation and such. Yeah. Uh, other ones that are getting close. Children of the Gods has got six votes. The Knox mm. has six votes. Forever in a Day has six votes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beneath the Surface has five votes. So those mm-hmm. are kind of the top runners right now. Uh, if you want to dictate and help choose which episode that we'll be rewatching next, you can do that uh, by joining us on Patreon. Yeah. It's good stuff. It is. So, Brent. Yeah. Shall we dig into this episode, Sight Unseen? Yes! Let's right. get back into the swing of things. All right. So, this episode is directed by Peter F. West. This is his second of two directing credits this season. We heard his name just a few episodes ago in Prometheus. Mm-hmm. So, he directed that, and he directed this one. Uh, the story for this episode is by Ron Wilkerson, uh, with some excerpts apparently by Jody Rakicott and Brad... Dryborough, um, Jody and Brad were both uh, guest actors on this show. Uh, Ron, who did the story, uh, did this is his only credit this season, but he's done some teleplays and some stories and such before. He did the Sentinel, Proving Ground, and Red Sky all in season five, and mm-hmm. so we hear his name back again here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the actual teleplay for this episode is by Damian Kindler. Uh, and this is his third of four writing credits this season. He did The Other Guys and The Cure, and he's back mm-hmm. for this episode, and we'll see his name one more time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so we've got a few guest actors that I want to highlight. One of them is Jody Rakicot, Rakicot, R-A-C-I-C-O-T. I don't know how to say his name. Probably Rakicot. I bet you it's one of those soft C, hard C problems. Rakicot. I was going to go Rakisat. No, Rakisat? Yes. No, yeah, no, I was going to go where you were going. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so Jody Rakisat. I couldn't resist it. Anyway, I, who knows? He pronounces Whatever. it the, however he pronounces it. Uh, he, he plays Vernon Sharp. He's the, uh, the gas station owner, operator. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's an actor known for Flash Gordon, a modern space opera in 2007, mm-hmm. the Lizzie McGuire movie in 2003, and Final mm-hmm. Destination 3. Uh, in 2006. I don't have a whole lot more about him. His first IMDb credit came in 1994 in the TV movie Tech War Tech Lab. Oh, okay. Uh, He played the character of Merlin in that. Mm -hmm. Now, here is the IMDb description of Tech War Tech Lab. The actual sword of Excalibur has been stolen in London, (laughs) and futuristic detectives Jake Cardigan and Sid Gomez are assigned to track it down and to find out who is trying to block the British reign from its rightful heir. Okay. Uh, Tech War is a TV series that was created by William Shatner, uh, had some seasons, and then they made several TV movies, and this is one of them. I see. Uh, for that. Okay. I get it. So, okay. uh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, I also 
want to talk about Betty Lind. She plays Mrs. Sharp, uh, Vernon's mm-hmm. grandmother. She's an mm-hmm. actress known for Happy Gilmore, uh, Stargate SG-1, and My Boss's Daughter. Mm-hmm. Her first IMDb credit came in 1980 in the movie Mr. Patman. She was an she was the mental patient, or a mental patient, and this was an uncredited role. Oh, okay. So she was clearly, you know, mental patient number three in the background. <laughs> yep, okay. Uh, this particular movie was about a male nurse working the night shift at a psychiatric hospital who begins to lose his own grip on reality. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. If that there sounds interesting to you, go find that movie from 1980, Mr. Patman. There you go. Uh, both of these movies, Patman and Tech War Tech Lab, have something in the neighborhood of uh, 5 out of 10 on IMDb. So, they're middling at best. Mm-hmm. Um, Brad Dryborough, because he was one of the story credit guys, uh, he was an out-of-control driver um, mm-hmm. <laughs> who crashes into the sign. Yep. Uh, he was actually also in uh, Battlestar Galactica. He played the character of Hoshi uh, in that, and that's all mm. I know about him. And then, gotcha. of course, we've got Gary Jones as Sergeant Walter Radar Harriman and mm-hmm. Trail Rothery as Dr. Janet Fraser. Yep. So, the original air date for this episode in the UK was December oh, right. 11, 2002. Mm-hmm. In the US, it was January 17, 2003. And mm-hmm. these are the, the basic things for, for January 17, 2003. Number one on the charts, they were still listening to Lose Yourself by Eminem. Yep. Uh, don't lose yourself in an alternate reality or in an no. extra dimensional thing. That's a bad idea. Uh, in the UK on September, January 17, 2003, they were listening to Sound of the Underground by Girls Aloud. Ah, Yes, Sound of the Underground. Yes, that number one jam from 2003. Oh, yes. So, oh, this what is, is this so song? Familiar. Uh, I, oh, uh, I don't know. It's been playing. It's, ah, it's, well, of course, it's, natural. You know, yeah, so uh, it's it's a number one jam. It's, it just has all those qualities. I, I have a sneaking suspicion this has got kind of a hard driving beat to it. You think it's so? It's the underground bouncing, and you know, it's like, like actually this... Or, or maybe the underground, or they're talking about the London uh, subway system. Doors closing. That's not what it says. That's 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 elsewhere. (laughs) Well, you know, uh, so they all say doors closing at some point in time. And we need to close the door on Kangaroo Jack because I don't know why. Why not? Um, why, why, why not? Because, so, so here's the issue: <laughs> is that Kangaroo Jack is proving to ha- be a national security issue. That's number oh, two. Oh, oh. Uh, why yes. is Kangaroo Jack a national security issue? Because Kangaroo Jack just got married. Just married. Uh huh. <laughs> um, and now, because he just got married, and he got he didn't got married to the right person, and so he's running away, uh, and he's saying, oh. "Catch me if you can." Oh, That's number four. Oh. Okay. All of this is taking place in the world of the Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers. Naturally. <laughs> 
you know, because Two Towers is Tolkien, and that was from London or from England, and this is the underground. There you go. Clearly, so, it makes perfect sense. So you're telling me that one of the cutscenes from the, the the Two Towers, which is saying something, because I've watched the extended edition many a time. Mary and Pippa on the walls of Isengard, and just before we actually see our 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 our, our friends gather or get together again, uh, there's there's Kangaroo Jack runs by, and some matrimony related person runs right behind him and, that and, uh, and like, tom hanks that? who was trying to catch kangaroo oh, that, jack, yeah, that, jack that's, is that's also right. there tom incidentally hanks. the kangaroo jack is yeah. definitely played by uh um, leonardo dicaprio clearly obviously clearly Duh. obviously yes that was one of his uh, many many um identities absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. yeah yeah that was in a cutscene of that movie too him yes. running around in a kangaroo suit yes Oh boy. Okay, sorry. So what was happening at this point in time? Uh, On January 16th, the space shuttle Columbia takes off for its mission STS-107, which would be its final mission because 16 days later, Columbia disintegrates on re-entry. Man, yep. I remember that. That was that. Oh boy. Oofta. Uh, on January 18, there is a bushfire in Canberra, Australia, that kills four people and destroys more than 500 homes. Mm-hmm. And on January 19, you have the NFL AFC Championship and NFC Championships for that year. Uh, the Oakland Raiders beat the Tennessee Titans in the AFC Championship 41-24. to and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Philadelphia Eagles 27-10 for the mm-hmm. NFC. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, the Raiders and the Buccaneers show down in the Super Bowl, and the Bucs win. I think that was the first time the Bucs ever won the Super Bowl. Um, but there you go. You're probably right. Yep. Uh, I also, that was also the year that uh, John Gruden... Uh, shifted, I don't remember if it was that year or the year before, but right around this is when he he did coach the Raiders and then he got fired and he got hired up by the Buccaneers and then he faces his old team and then they win in the Super Bowl. So, there you go. Ah, yes. All right. So, we have some trivia for this episode. Are you ready, Mm -hmm. Brent? Let's do it. All right. So, at the very end of this episode, uh, Vernon Sharp asks, where are the aliens from? And O'Neill says... They're from Melmac. And Vernon says, well, isn't that where Alf was from? And, of course, Neil says, I've never seen it. Don't have any of that. that. Mm-hmm. So this is actually also an in-joke because for most of the run of Alf, it was playing at the exact same time slot as MacGyver. Aha! <laughs> <laughs> so you were either watching Alf or MacGyver. You weren't watching both. So if you were and, a Richard and, Dean Anderson fan, you never saw Elf. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And of course, back in the mid 80s, they didn't have fun things like DVRs. No. No, the best you could do would be to get a fancy VCR that could do more than one channel, but that was fancy. Oh boy. Yeah, that was a big deal. Yes, it was. Even in nineteen mid 1980s, were v- VCRs even, I mean, they existed, but... They weren't. Oh, they were high end. No, these were things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mid eighties. I mean, like, you, you, yeah. No, no, no. You, most people, your average, your average person, at least in the at least in the states, you were either watching MacGyver or Elf. You were not doing both. 
Yeah, and and if you missed one, you weren't going to come back and see it. Correct. That's right. Unless you happen to catch it in reruns in the summer. And I don't even think that they were doing TV to video. You know, I don't think they were doing seasons mm. of stuff to video at that point. I no, don't think. no. Well, seasons to video, well, yeah. I don't remember. I do remember, like, but, like, it was, like, it was, it was very unique things. It was, like, Ken Burns' Civil War, right? You could buy that on video, and it was a lot of them. Um, right. But, like, nobody was going out and, you know, buying season 10 of Dallas on VHS. No. I mean, even... Even Star Trek wasn't on VHS, I don't think, at that point in time. I don't think so. I, I, so. And you know what? Hey, f- hey, nerd friends. And I mean, and this, is no, and I, this is not a derision at all, but you know, you all know better than me. Are we full of it? Could, could we have gone to our video rental store and picked up, like, you know, season two, you know, cassette one of Stargate the Next Generation? Like, it's just Stargate we, the Next we Generation? We weren't looking in that section? Did I say Stargate, the next generation? Do you remember you when we first started this podcast? I couldn't say Stargate without accidentally saying Star Trek. Now it's the other way around. Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, in 1986, you were not going anywhere to find Star, Star Trek, the next generation, because it didn't exist yet. Didn't exist. Well, it was in somebody's head. Uh, well, in, in 86, yeah, sure. By then, they were working on the stuff, but it didn't air until 1987. So, I mean, it's, it's imminent. What's a year? A lot. <laughs> Especially when you're that young. Anyway, okay. <laughs> All right, uh, moving on. Yes. So the airplane in which Vernon is hiding from Colonel O'Neill says Anderson Air by the window, and this is actually the name of an actual aviation company in British Columbia. Oh, yeah, sure. Yep. So, now, this episode is a riff on H.P. Lovecraft's short story, From Beyond, which was originally published in 1934. Okay. Uh, so in Lovecraft's work, the story is told from the first-person perspective of an unnamed narrator and details his experiences with a scientist named Crawford Tillinghast. Mm-hmm. And Tillinghast creates an electronic device that emits a resonance wave which stimulates an affected person's pineal gland, thereby allowing them to perceive planes of existence outside the scope of accepted reality. Outside the scope of accepted reality. <laughs> I love that. Okay, carry on. All right. Sharing the experience with Tillinghast, the narrator becomes cognizant of a translucent interdimensional environment that overlaps our own recognized reality. From this perspective, he witnesses hordes of strange and horrific creatures that defy description. Tillinghast reveals that he has used his machine to transport his house servants into the overlapping plane of reality. He also reveals that the effect works both ways and allows the interdimensional creature denizens of the alternate dimension to perceive humans. <gasps> Tillinghast's servants were attacked and killed by one such interdimensional entity, and Tillinghast informs the narrator that it is right behind him. Oh, no! Terrified beyond measure, the narrator picks up a gun and shoots it at the machine, destroying it. Tillinghast dies immediately. Thereafter, as a result of a apoplexy. Oh, oh, of course. The police investigate the scene, and it is placed on record that Tillinghast murdered the servants in spite of their remains never being found. Dun, dun, dun. So that goes into a way darker place than what Stargate does. Yes. But, there you go. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Vernon's gas station is actually the old Glenwood Market gas station in Langley, British Columbia. So that's an sure. actual place. Okay. And, of course, the hangar that they were in, that Vernon hides in, is actually the same hangar that was used when they were in, we were introduced to uh, the X-302. Ah, uh, okay. Nice. So they used that same hangar there. Yep. Um, also... At 30 minutes, roughly, in the episode, we see Vernon's driver's license, and it says Colorado on it. However, the license itself is actually a Washington State driver's license, with Colorado written where Washington should be. Uh, There is even a picture of George Washington in the background of it. (laughs) Yeah, well, (laughs) you do what you gotta do, right? (laughs) Absolutely. All right. And so then, uh, I did pull a quote from Joseph Malazzi. Oh, yeah. He okay. says, boy, did I not like this episode. Uh-huh. This, despite actor Jody Rasikot's brilliant turn as the beleaguered Vernon Sharp, my note at the script stage was, so what? I mean, okay, people started glimpsing interdimensional creatures that caused them to freak out. Man! But when... It came down to it; those alien centipedes really weren't much of a threat. You you don't you don't say, Joe, huh? So that's what Joe has to say. Uh huh. Um, the title for this episode in different oh, yeah. languages. The French <laughs> yeah. call this hallucinations. Uh huh. The Italians call this invisible visions. Okay. The Spanish say illusions. The okay. Germans go. The Invisible. Oh, okay. All right. Fine. Okay. Uh, the Czech go quarantine. That's a little on uh, the okay. nose there. Uh, yeah. And then uh, the Hungarians go Invisible Invasion, uh, much like the Italians. Mm-hmm. And the Russians go Invisible World. Ah, uh, yes. So, invisible World. There you yeah. go. Yeah. There, there you go. Oh, boy. Yeah. All right, so. I mean, what else can you say? <laughs> not much. Not, not much. Not much. <laughs> uh, shall we uh, enter into the synopsis? Yes. Let's talk about Sight Unseen. All right, here we go. SG-1 returns through the gate from a strange new world. What did they find there? Sand, wind, old ruins. Oh, and a device that does something that appears to be of ancient design. Suddenly, Jonas freaks out when he sees a giant translucent and glowing bug flying around the gate room. Unfortunately, no one else seems to see the bug and are confused by his reaction. Still, Hammond orders the base locked down. After a thorough search, however, of the base, nothing is found and the base returns to normal. O'Neill gets some well-deserved off time so that he can go fishing Sam doesn't want to go fishing with, with him, nor does Teal'c, and Jonas also laments that he wasn't invited fishing. While he's gone, Carter and Jonas examine the device, and Jonas hopes he can find something that will explain what he saw. However, during their research, Jonas sees another large glowing translucent bug leading, in, uh, leading into an immediate examination by Dr. Fraser of Jonas's head. Nothing is found in the scans, but they are but still chock full of Jonas's hallucinations. Let me start that again. Woofda. 
<laughs> I actually, what happened is it's not worded properly. Uh, that's how nor- that's how many of these errors happen. Well, yeah. So nothing is found in the scans, uh, but so they all chalk this up to Jonas. <laughs> they still Take chalk four. it up to Junus. Ju- Junus. <laughs> <laughs> So they chalk up Jonas's hallucinations to nequadria poisoning. There we go. I'll get it out there. There we go. We finally got it. Okay. <laughs> Ergo, he's now off duty. Sucks to be Jonas. While talking with Teal'c, Jonas sees yet another large, glowing, translucent insect. But this time, Teal'c sees it too. And you can totally see in Jonas's face, I knew I wasn't having hallucinations. And in Teal'c's Indeed, you hear, oh, crap, I'm seeing Jonas's hallucinations. Outside the base, O'Neill stops at a gas station to fill his truck. And th- when he, too, sees one of these giant glowing bugs, he pulls out a gun and proceeds to shoot it, because why not? Nothing seems to have happened except for the poor gas station sign now has several new holes in it, and the gas station owner is significantly traumatized, thinking that O'Neill was going to kill him. O'Neill calls Hammond to report the incident, only to learn that several people in the base have begun to see the creatures as well. In the SGC, Jonas and Carter return to the ancient device to figure out what was going on. They discover that it allows people to see entities from another dimension, or as Carter calls it, an interdimensional bleed-through effect. It's like Despite paper. figuring out what it is doing, they still don't know why it is doing it or how to fix it. And so they do what anyone would do in their situation. They turn it off. Hmm. Unfortunately, turning it off didn't solve the problem. While eating in the mess hall and discussing what to do with the device, the team hears a woman scream and drop her tray after being startled by yet another glowing bug. Since turning it off clearly didn't work, hmm, what do we do now? What do we do now? Let's take it back to the planet and shut off the gate. There's no way it could be sending a signal to Earth if it's on another planet and the gate is shut down. Unfortunately, the team is batting zero after Sergeant Harriman slash Radar and the General continue to see the creatures crawling over their computer keyboards after the gate was shut down. So, they bring the device back for continued study. Given the new data, Carter and Quinn conclude that the device not only attracts the bugs, but it also allows people to see them by imparting some kind of electrical charge that is persistent and can be passed from person to person. Hammond orders all of Colorado Springs quarantined to limit the device's effect. Unfortunately, civilians are beginning to see the bugs too. This is going to be a problem. What's our cover story? What's our cover story? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Ah, an accidental chemical spill that causes hallucinations. What Perfect. could possibly go wrong with this cover story? Once again, Jonas and Sam study the device. They make an assumption that if they simply rearrange the eight or nine crystals, they may be able to reverse the effects. One cutscene later, and they come to the last possible configuration to try, and wouldn't you know it, it's the one that actually works. Huzzah! Huzzah! 
So what's happening during that cutscene? Well, Vernon Sharp, the gas station owner, is also seeing the bugs and doesn't trust the military's cover story. And so he hitchhikes out of town trying to get as far away from this craziness as possible. Also, a driver whose windshield is blocked by a bug panics, drives faster and faster, and ends up crashing into <laughs> poor old Vernon's gas station sign. Oh, man, that sign is having a rough day. Fortunately, Vernon appears to, the, uh, to be the only one not accepting the Air Force's cover story. And to find out some more information about Vernon, Sam and Jonas visit his grandmother. Unfortunately, she's something of a conspiracy theorist herself, who doesn't trust pretty much anything anyone and an authority says. Those doctors will be the death of us all, after all. She does reveal that Vernon's actions are linked to his experiences in the Gulf War and his belief that the military experimented on the troops with toxic chemicals. Curse those military people! Grrr! Vernon arrives at an airport and attempts to board a plane. Unfortunately for him, the Air Force grounded all the flights out of the region. O'Neill is in hot pursuit and catches up to Vernon at the airport. Vernon panics and runs to a nearby hangar. Cautiously, the colonel enters the hangar and begins talking to Vernon. He listens to Vernon, allows Vernon to control the conversation, and helps to calm him down. O'Neill claims that the bugs are actually aliens, but that the world isn't ready for aliens. Vernon slowly begins to trust O'Neill and comes out of hiding. The colonel is able to touch Vernon, thereby passing on the cure so that he will no longer see the glowing bugs. And as they walk out of the hangar together, Vernon asks, So where are the aliens from? And O'Neill answers, Melmac! The end. The end. So, Brent... Yeah. Sight unseen. Mm-hmm. You have now seen it. Mm-hmm. What did you think of it? Mm. Mm. This one was a train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This this one this one this one's no good at all. This one is no good at all. Um th- uh the the premise um they couldn't decide what premise they wanted to run with on this one. Uh like yeah it it opened with the team bring back a device that causes a blending of dimensions and therefore the mystery is how will how will it affect the team how will it affect you know it's clearly affecting jonas how will the team believe jonas how will it how will it affect the team how will the team figure it out how will they be saved that jonas is not stuck seeing glowing bugs all the time and or how will how how will those glowing bugs interact with our reality now, if at all? La, la, you know, like blah 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 blah. That was that was that was that was that was the setup for problem number one. Um, and they spent a good amount of time on problem number one in the show, and you know, I mean, there was parts about it that were like kind of groan inducing, like I kept thinking about those comments that we were talking about or hearing from others saying, boy, it would be great if instead of bringing these things back to Earth, they brought it to a different planet where nobody lives so that they can try it out for a little while and then see if it's safe to bring it onto Earth or not. But instead, they just bring it straight over. And, um, you know, a person can probably make a fairly decent argument that says that 99% of the problems in the universe are able to be contained in Cheyenne Mountain. This happens to be a piece of the 1% that cannot. So, 
maybe that's less of a crazy idea than whatever. Anyway, but they bring it to Earth, and then problems start happening. Hijinks start happening. Well, uh, they they also kind of didn't really go in on the notion of, you know, the team doesn't trust Jonas. And not in the bad way, just in the practical way, in the way that was being communicated by the emotion of the actions in the in the in the room in the in the briefing room um where jonas is like i see these things and everyone's like we're not saying that you aren't seeing them we're just saying that they're not there and (laughs) and i thought that that particular scene was not that well constructed either um they didn't leave any space for there to be a very plausible sort of middle ground which is that uh, you don't have to be like mentally losing it to be hallucinating like there could still be a very practical explanation as to why Jonas's sensory perception is all screwed up right now that has nothing to do with stress or mental wellness or you know what I mean like there's just all these things that have nothing to do with it that but whatever we're going down the you know clearly you just stressed yourself out so you know go go have a nap and they pivoted too fast off of that I think um, so as a result, they then immediately went into the whole, well, no, actually the bugs are real. And now phase two of the story is okay. N- new mystery. All right. So instead of having uh, a device that seems to affect only one person, um, and how do we deal with that? How, uh, forget that. How about the device affects everybody? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the device is going to affect everybody. And, um, uh, what's more is that instead of it being like an affect that is happening uh, through like some kind of radiation kind of way, which would sort of permeate through the base, maybe, maybe not. How about we have it spread like a virus? Yeah, a virus, a virus. But 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 better yet, instead of it like being like a virus, how about it's just like almost like static electricity? Yeah, yeah. I touch you and bang, you instantly get to see it. Yeah. How's this sound? Does it sound good? Okay, let's do it. So then they run on that story for a little while. Okay, fine. You've decided to change the scope and change it a little bit. So now the story is you've got the entire SGC trying to navigate through uh, this challenge, right? So, uh, so you got the you got the you got, everybody can see it, but it's everybody at the base. And so, fine, you got your containment protocols and la la. You know, fine, you're doing that thing. And yeah, you introduced that problem of O'Neill. He he left the base before this quarantine happened. So, okay, it's going to be out in the wild. But we're going to solve for that, too, by having a military lockdown, a quarantine on that. And boy, in 2021, does this seem completely stupid and ridiculous because we've been through situations where we're like, hey, people, stay home. And they're like, ha, 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 no. So, <laughs> so, so. So, so whatever. I get it. That's me being a little meta on that one, but fine. So, but even then, like, the story is like, okay, well, then how are we going to solve it? Well, what do you mean? I go, I go fix this thing. And so then the story kind of weakly tries to try to fix it. The best thing it comes up with is rearrange the crystals. It's reverse the polarity is what they came up with, or the story. <laughs> and so they, so they do. Heisenberg compensation. Yeah, right? Like, it's just not. Anyway, Um. so they, they do, and it does and there you go but then then the most egregious error of all happened then the story decides 
no, 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 no. Forget it. Forget it. This whole like everybody can see the bugs thing. That's stupid. That's stupid. No, no. What we really need to have is an untrusting conspiracy theorist who disappears. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And now the story is we got to find the person before he spreads it to the world. Yeah, yeah, there we go. That's a good one. Let's do that. But unfortunately, at this point in the story, there's like five minutes left. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you've got a five-minute story of trying to find the guy that breaks the perimeter. And you, you manage to like MacGuffin it all the way through and like, oh, look, perfect. There's a person who sees the bug and totally matches the description and da 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 And he went to this airport. Oh, great. That's awesome. It's a tiny airport. Go descend. Descend, descend, cancel everything. Awesome. And then we're going to have a talk with the guy, and then it's going to be the end of the day. Yay. And I was just chuckling to myself about how bad this episode is. When when it happened, Zach. It happened. It happened. It happened. Okay. Everybody, everybody knows how much I like Bane. Everybody knows it. Yeah, okay, okay. We love to laugh that I think that a complete train wreck of a show is actually a delight. It's a delight to watch. I am looking forward to watching it again. Zach? Yes? The Bane moment happens in this episode. Okay, so what is the Bane moment in this episode? So, because I'm a showman, I'm going to build it up. We all recall... That in Bane, there was a moment where I was like, what is this? And I went from, this is a complete waste of my time, to, oh my goodness, I am having a wonderful time with this show. It was when, uh, it was when, I can't even remember the character's name, the girl, the little girl. It was when the little girl, who was a part of the street tough gang and was trying to pass herself off as a little, as, 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 as a tough boy by tucking up her hair into the cap. And then of course drops her hair down in a big old reveal. <gasps> Never saw that coming. And also then reveals the heart wrenching story of how she was the child of a cop, but her dad died with, I don't know what it was dumb. It was, a, it was, it was this tropiest of stupid story things back in Bane that when that happened, I'm like, Okay, you've jumped this shark so hard. I'm now in it for the lols. Like, I'm in now. I'm all in. I loved it. I loved it. Absolutely. The Bane moment in this episode is that shot where the guy on the cell phone in the terminal walks on. He walks in frame and says, what did they think about the screenplay? And he pauses and he goes, what do you mean they didn't get the twist in act two? It was perfectly obvious. And off he went. That line undoubtedly was not in the script originally. I can't believe it was in the script originally. That line to me is the director and the producers telling me the viewer. Yeah, this, this show is, this one doesn't make it. This one's bad. This one, this one is all over the place. This one is a no, this isn't going to work. But tell you what, I'll let you know, said the director to me in that line that I think this one is terrible and you just go along with it. Deal. 
And I was like, <laughs> deal, buddy. You've got a deal. So as soon as I was like, fine, fine. We all agree. This thing's stupid. This one doesn't work. Then I was like, great. This thing's great. This thing is terrible. Like, no, this is not a good show. You do not watch this one if you have not seen Stargate. And you don't even watch this one if you want a good example of what this show could be at all. No, 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 no. You watch this one because it's like, hey, 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 hey. Do you want to see some translucent bugs? <laughs> yeah, and do you want to see people freak out about translucent bugs? Because we got a lot of that going on. Let's do that for a while. <laughs> this thing was bad. This was a bad, 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 bad show. And I got to the end of it and I was laughing. And I was like, that, you know what? I had a fine time. This was fun. This was fun because I knew it was going to give us a good conversation about this thing being bad. This thing was fun because it did have a, it, it, it had some cool part. I mean, the special effects were kind of fun. And the acting they did fine. The scene in the, the with the grandma and the like, the whole like you know, like you seem like a nice couple, <laughs> and, and Sam and Joan is playing it up. That was fun. The the you know the like, are you sure you don't want to go fishing? We can fish, and then there's more fishing. That was fun. Um, you know, like isn't that where Alf is from? Didn't see it. That was fun. Like there was a whole lot of things in here which were fun and easy and light and not really that big of a deal and the problem like you know like the, the problem itself was just kind of borderline trivial all things considered yet you know i mean hey like you break this mysterious device in with like no description that like is in the is in a chamber on a desolate planet like like nothing about it was rich story at all fine <laughs> like okay so when i'm in that attitude like, yeah, I had fun. I liked this one. I thought it was all right. So what about you, Zach? <laughs> what did you have to think about this episode? <laughs> so um, this is at best a middling episode. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, <clears throat> there are elements of this that I really... Uh, really like. I really like. I th I find you mentioned it. the The conversation that Sam and Jonas have with the grandmother yep. is an absolutely delightful scene. It's acted well. It's shot well. It, it's just that the, the crazy old grandma is just. It, it's wonderful. I love yes. that scene. It's great. Um, and as you mentioned, that moment, oh, you guys are such a great couple. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Oh, yes, we are. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's done perfectly. I love that. Um, I really, really appreciate uh, the final conversation between O'Neill yeah. and Vernon in the hangar bay. Mm -hmm. um, because O'Neill just does a perfect job of meeting Vernon where he is and just engaging him in conversation and bringing him to a place where he can relax. Mm -hmm. um, and that is just gold, I think. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's it's, it's acted well. Mm -hmm. It was written well. It was shot well. And it's also an example of how we as people can interact with others who are dealing with stress and anxiety and find a way through that with them. Mm -hmm. uh, now, I'm not suggesting that 
we lie to somebody who has anxiety and says, oh, yeah, it's it's aliens. It's not a government conspiracy. It's aliens. I mean, it's a con- government conspiracy about aliens. But, you know, I, I'm not suggesting that. Uh, but but that ability of just walking with him and and acknowledging his own concerns. Mm-hmm. Because at that point in time, if O'Neill had said, look, there's no conspiracy, it's just the, the hallucinogenic drugs, that's all it is, uh, that would fail, would have failed miserably. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, I, I love that scene. I think it's a good, good scene. Um, you know, I think the special effects of the bugs are pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I like that we bring in another piece of uh, ancient technology, the fact that they don't know what they're doing with it is, um, well, not surprising. <laughs> right. Yes, <laughs> uh, agreed. The the way they're like, oh, well, look at these crystals. Do you think they were put in there in a specific way? Well, they had to have been put there for some reason, so let's just screw around with it. And fig-. I'm like, that's ridiculous. Oh, that was the stupidest way to try to solve the problem that I could possibly think of. Uh, I because- mean... Like yeah. what stopped it from becoming a complete like superpower bomb or something like you know yeah. no. right I mean you know it, I, I understand that that on some level if it does X you need to find a way to reverse the polarity yeah. uh, so that it does Y I get that uh, but that leap right there was uh, frankly it's, sloppy it's, storytelling oh it's super sloppy like you know you don't walk up to a really complex copy machine and like try to turn the toner cartridge around in order to undo copies. It doesn't work. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a stupid trope, but it's a trope. Well, and then also let me think about this here for a little bit. Um, let's say that there were eight crystals. I can't remember the exact number, but it was oh, yes, probably around yeah. eight. So if there are eight crystals and eight slots, I'm not counting the big one in the middle because where else is that one going to go in the middle? Yeah. Um, but you have um, orders it, of magnitude of options. Well, isn't it eight times eight? Isn't it sixty-four different options of where you can place those crystals? Oh uh, no, it's more than that because each crystal can be in each slot, and then for each, so A can be in A, and then you have like A. Well, you get one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, mm-hmm. or you have one, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, two. Or you have one, uh, four, five, six, seven, eight, two, three, and so on and so forth. And then you have the orientation of, oh. uh, uh, you know, orientation A, or you flip it 90 degrees, 180 degrees, and slide it in the opposite direction. I mean, you're talking about hundreds. Well, and then also the facets. You might have it in this way, or rotated slightly, or rotated right. slightly more. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, crystal A could be rotated, but yes. crystal B and C might not be. Uh, I mean, so just the, the sheer number of options, while it is not impossible to go through that, somebody who's a mathematician out there, if you could figure out exactly how many permutations there is, I'd be interested in that number. Um, I also, haven't done the it, math. It, it was also functioning like tiger repellent, too. Like that, the, the scene to verify that it worked was necessary and dumb you needed somebody who was not cured you need them to see a bug and because the seeing of bugs was a little bit conditional it wasn't like everybody was seeing bugs everywhere all the time right like it's like did it work 
I don't know. I don't see anything. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Is it that, must be working. Is that you have to do that test after yes. each permutation. That's right. Oh, and I see a bug. Oh, permutation, if you're, if you could have somehow trapped the bug in an area, yes, that could have been your example. Then that's wonderful. But they couldn't do that. They could do so it. you have to try something and then look around and yep. says, "Well, do you see any bug? No. Do you? Well, we got to go find somebody who might be able to see some bugs and then touch them <laughs> to see if it disappears." I mean, the, the the process here is absolutely ludicrous. Oh, it's, it's the stupidest thing in the world. This is dumb. This is dumb. Uh, these are story elements. These, this, is, this, is, this is a montage of story elements that they threw against the wall like spaghetti. And uh, yeah. about four or five things stuck. Okay, and I have a question for you. Yeah. So, you're driving your car. Say you're oh, on yeah. Lakeshore Drive. Right? Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. You're driving yeah. your car. Yeah. And all of a sudden, something yeah. covers and diminishes your visibility. Yes. Uh-huh. What do you do? I immediately speed up and start swerving. Oh, okay. Is, is that well, not then, what you do? Then, then, then I guess, okay, clearly I'm in the minority here. <laughs> so let me give you an example. Just a few days ago, as we were returning home from Colorado Springs, we were driving through... Omaha. Uh-huh. And Omaha, right at that time, had this giant cell of a storm come through. And for about five or six minutes, we had almost zero visibility. Mm-hmm. And you know what I did? And every other driver around me sped up and started swerving. No, we oh. slowed down. <gasps> oh. We slowed down and uh-huh. we gripped our steering wheel a little bit tighter and tried to keep things loose as we slowed down and just tried to go straight. Yeah. Yeah. I got that, it. That, 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 that's what we did. So obstructed visibility in a vehicle that weighs about a ton and can easily, easily kill someone, you slow down and try to keep it under. I got it. There you, you go. You know what, Zach? I think that might be why he hit that sign. You think? <laughs> I felt bad for the sign. <laughs> we were supposed to feel bad for the sign. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, getting shot up by by uh, O'Neill—that's unfortunate, you know. But that, you know, that that can be chalked up to you know just O'Neill. a casualty of of O'Neill. O'Neill. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and given where the bug was and the information that we had about that, um, you know, it was hard to avoid that. It was unfortunate. Yes. But the whole truck running into the sign, that oh. was actually avoidable. I'm actually, I, I, I was trying to see if I could spot evidence of like the frame bending because he hit that ditch pretty hard and. I didn't yeah. notice any. It doesn't really matter, but like you know, he 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 should have come out with a broken nose, and well, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, that was that was that was just done. That was just done for the TV effects there. Yep, that was um, that, that's what that was. So there there are elements of this that are good, or at least not bad. I do like, I do appreciate, and this is actually a good thing. Uh, is that this episode kind of, um highlighted the reality that we've seen in this season so far. We're about halfway through the season now. 
mm-hmm. is that Jonas has had to learn how to be part of the team. Mm-hmm. And the team has had to learn how to let Jonas be part of the team. Mm-hmm. And we see here that even now there is some tension, some struggle with that. And we see that Carter, at the very least, recognizes that, acknowledges it, apologizes for it, and moves on. Yeah. And that's a good thing. So, in terms of that longer meta story of the season uh, so far, that was a good moment, and I appreciated that moment. Um, It also makes a certain amount of sense that if Jonas is the only one that's starting to see hallucinations, given his connection to Nequadria, and you know we had that episode Shadow Play a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, where his mentor uh, developed schizophrenia, basically, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. out of this. Um, that is a reasonable place to consider. Um, they also jumped to it a little bit fast, so it's reasonable and it's fast. There was, there was I think, two... I'm going to go with, I think that there were two pretty okay story seeds here in this episode, and neither of them were well developed at all. One being the mystery device that makes people see things, and that one could have been its own story, and it could have been told a bit better, and it wasn't. And then the other one was the, um, you know, the the guy on the outside who... Uh, is a conspiracy theorist, which we've had that before, but you know, we could do it again. It's fine. We could do a different version of it. Uh, and that one wasn't, that one was given five minutes. Like that one was, that one was like a tack on that one felt like they ran, they, like they had gone through this story and they needed to keep it going somehow to make the 42 minutes. And so they just added this thing on there. It was, it, this thing was, <laughs> that one didn't make any sense. Sure. Um, I will say that the prop for that ancient device will be seen again in a future episode of Stargate Atlantis. Oh. Uh, I don't think it is. It's not the same device, but that prop is used again. There you go. We'll see it again. So, uh, is there anything else that you have to say for the good of the conversation regarding Sight Unseen? No. No. I think I said everything that I need to say about this episode. All right. Well, then, I ask you, what is your Chevron rating? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is my Chevron rating, right? I mean, on one hand, I could be normal and I could say, oh, man, yeah, this episode was not that good. It definitely had pieces of good in it, but that does not make for a good episode. And I could say, I mean, this thing is like so skippable, it's ridiculous. And just, just be a regular person. I could do that. Or I could be me. And in being myself, I can say, look, why am I watching anything at all? It's to be enriched somehow, right? Um, Enriched in entertainment, enriched in knowledge, enriched in emotional health, something, right? I'm devoting my time towards this because it's enjoyable for some reason. And I... Love it. I love it when I have a secret conversation. That's not that secret, but I love it when I have an honest conversation with my entertainment. When the entertainment goes, yeah, this isn't that good, is it? And I go, you no, it's not. It is bad. <laughs> but at least you see it.
it. And now I'm having fun at how bad it is because this thing is bad. So I'm going to go ahead and be me. I'm going to give this, admittedly, I'm going to have to use the Bane scale. I'm going to give this a Bane 6. I had fun. I would totally watch this episode again. I would never recommend somebody else watch it. This is for me. <laughs> I would absolutely watch this train wreck again. Be like, oh man, this is the part. This is the part where they decide to just flip around the crystals and see if it works. Oh, okay. this is the part where the guy decides to hit the accelerator. Oh, this is the part where they can't. Re- they, they they ran out of story and they got to tack on a five minute weird thing where they have a conspiracy theory. This is the part where the guy decides to just open the door after hiding from. Like, what the? This is this is terrible. Oh, so much fun. I loved it. I loved it. Is it a, is it the height of television? N- no, no. I think there's only one episode that can possibly be considered the height of television, and that is that is also a, uh, an episode where Teal'c sees a bug, but it is not this one. So uh, I'm going to give it a Bane six. How about Here you? There you go. Um, so I have been wrestling with that as well a lot, trying to figure out what I'm going to do with this episode. Um. You should not follow my example. <laughs> oh, I'm, oh, I'm not following your example. Uh, I'm trying to decide. So, like, there are good things in this episode. And there are thought elements of this episode that I find valuable and worthwhile. So, my question in my own head is, how valuable are those? And are those, and, and, and in what manner do those moments uh, raise up the the whole mm-hmm. because if you look at this as a whole it's it is at best a three <laughs> if you look at it as a whole it's at best a three no. yeah i agree i completely agree right yes <laughs> um but there are elements to it uh and so okay i am going to give this a f- four I was debating a three and a half. And I was debating yep. a four. Yep. I think that the the good elements of it and the acting, because Jody Rasicott does an amazing job. Yeah. That character. He yeah, does yeah. great. And uh, Betty Lund or yes. Lind or whatever, she does a great with that. And you know, and some of their acting with the bugs that aren't there. Uh, there are a couple of moments where I think that's. Yeah. Donna Davis' moment where he's looking at the mosquito at the end is definitely like, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'll give it a four. Uh huh. All right. That is a so, very reasonable score. So, Brent. Yeah. There are Ooh. people. Yeah. Who. Yeah. Sent in their predictions of this episode. Let me check the Twitters. Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. Twitter. All right. Loading up the Twitter. Oh, we got notifications. What do we got? Uh, ooh. Yeah, we got one. I got one on ooh. Twitter to read. Okay, you ready? I'm ready. All right. So, uh, we got Kevin here. Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Zach. Hi, Brent. My mom always says, if you don't have anything nice to say, post it on Twitter. Yep. <laughs> yep my mom says the same thing, too. He carries on. Wait, she never said that. Oh, man, he misled me. Anyway, I don't have anything nice to say about this episode. So, Zach will give it a four, and Brent will give it a three. 
Not oh. enough Bane factor, he says. <laughs> oh. Uh, so he specifically I, yeah. says not enough Bane factor? That's right. He oh, wow. <laughs> not enough Bane factor. And Kevin, while I, you, you, I will, you are right on the money. Had I not had my Bane moment, which it did happen for me, uh, as I was agreeing with Zach, this thing's not better than a three. This thing's a terrible thing. But uh, but alas, no, I had my Bane moment. So anyway, there was uh, there's Kevin, and uh, that was all that we had on uh, on the Twitters. All right. Well, we start with Rowan. Hi, Rowan. Hi, Rowan. Uh, uh, Rowan says, "Yay! Another potential exposure event from a mysterious item brought through the Stargate without any kind of testing or containment. When will they learn? Never. Never. They will never learn." <laughs> Rowan says that. All right. <laughs> Nice. Although the presence of ancient technology nominally advances the arc, this one has no long-term ramifications that I can recall, making it a skippable episode. And mm-hmm. watching our heroes lie repeatedly to Vernon and to his grandmother, who clearly <laughs> has mental health issues, is pretty uncomfortable. Mm. That oh, is definitely yeah. Yeah, uh, okay. Th- that is a fair retort. I did not share that when I was watching it, but th- that is a good point. Like, come on now. Come on. Don't be jerks. Um, you know, I I would welcome a a conversation Rowan on what my my comments were on that final scene and get your thoughts on on how that plays out and and I would be happy to uh process that some more and mm-hmm. uh consider uh uh changing my mind that 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 is a good way of looking at things mm-hmm. that i had thought specifically about uh they go on a four from brent for moderate entertainment value and a three <laughs> from zach for a sort of clunky story that's not very exciting to rewatch. <laughs> this episode has been rated 7.2 by viewers on imdb which is a three on my imdb to chevron rating conversion scale ah, yeah Yep, yep. Putting it in the bottom 25% of Stargate episodes overall. Oh, all of them. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Yeah, sure does. All right. Uh, next, we have Julie. Hi, Julie. Julie says, it's been a while since I have had a prediction. Mm-hmm. The story is fine-ish, mm-hmm. but feels like a combination of earlier stories and not anything new. Brent 3, mm-hmm. Zach 3. Yeah. Yeah. Very sensible. That is yep. a very normal person thing to do. <laughs> yep. Uh, Kimberly. Hi, Kimberly. Kimberly says, Brent 2, Zach 2. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, it's sort of hitting that Bane factor in absurdity, but doesn't get over that hump to television greatness. It's an episodic episode that tries to be funny, but never quite makes it there. With all the excellent offerings this season, I predict low scores across the board for this forgettable and irrelevant episode. Yeah, this thing is absolutely forgettable and irrelevant. I'm choosing. I'm choosing to make it. I have looked at this episode and I went, oh, you are a mangy puppy. And I'm choosing to try to make something out of it. There you go. Uh, We have Warren. Hi, Warren. Warren says, hope you've come back whole and healthy from your break. Thank you. I predict that this will all out Bane, Bane itself. 
Oh. And if Brent can give out an unexpected eight out of seven and ruin my expected correct prediction when this one should by all rights bring out, then this one should by all rights bring out the ninth chevron from Brent because Bane factor. (laughs) I mean, it's bad. (laughs) This one is bad. No doubt about it. And then he continues, and Zach will give it a six out of seven. Oh, even I, I, uh, so, yeah, I, I could have imagined a situation where my enthusiasm about how just terrible this thing was would have en- would have heightened your Zach, your enjoyment of this episode such that it would have risen the, the Chevron rating. But, you know, no. Well, no. so so I, I will acknowledge that your baneness with this episode <laughs> makes me smile a little bit and doesn't necessarily increase my rating, but makes me feel better about giving it what I give it. <laughs> At least you're not sitting here going, did I give too many chevrons with four? I don't know. <laughs> uh, it was close. It was close. I, I... Awesome. Okay. We have Dan. Hi, Dan. Dan says, so we're back. And we're back with Sight Unseen? Mm-hmm. Boy, don't you wish you guys took one more week off and just skip this one? <laughs> I was I was considering opening with a joke about how I shouldn't have seen this one. Uh, well, you know, he says, I wish I could unsee this one every mm-hmm. time I watch it. Yep. Aside from a couple of quips here and there, this is one I wish I could skip every time, but I can't because that would be weird and make me feel awkward. I yes. get that, Dan. I get that. Yeah. This oh, yeah. is why I still have to watch Emancipation every time I do a rewatch. Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, yeah. it's been a number of years since I've seen Emancipation because we're doing that this was... project and I'm going a lot slower than I would ordinarily go. That's right. That, that was a few years ago. All right. Almost. Yeah. Lessons to be learned from Dan or mm-hmm. that he learned. I don't know. One. As is the case with past episodes and still one or two to come, when something weird happens to Jonas and no one else... Blame Nequadria. Blame Nequadria. Yeah, That's it works. A good way to say, yeah. Number two, when questioning someone's mother, always play a couple. Get yeah. some every time. Get some every time. You're a nice couple. And number three, yes, Alf was from Melmac. Prepare the barbecue feline. Ha! I get that. Oh, boy. <laughs> so for those of you who are sufficiently young that don't remember the show Alf... Alf was a, sh- a show about this uh, alien from Melmac named, well, actually his name wasn't Alf, but no, it was not. Alf was an acronym for alien life form, and so yes. that's what they called him, yes. and there was this puppet that crashed, landed, and then he just kind of became part of the family of this family, uh, and uh, it is discovered that uh, on Melmac they have cats, and cats are a delicacy mm-hmm. on Melmac. Yes. And Alf then subsequently routinely tries to eat the family cat and they have to try to stop him routinely yes Yes. they then later made a cartoon of alf that's where where we actually get to see him on his home planet which Ah, is yes okay that is way too much airtime for alf let's move on (laughs) uh dan continues yeah, there's not much to this one. In my craziest of moments, this is a meh. In my more saner ones, let's call this a two and a half. Yeah, oh yeah. It does nothing for the overall narrative. This is never referenced again. 
And we have yet another event where the outside world is subjected to something from the SGC. I mean, they can't come clean about it, so I'm left wondering if the people who crashed their car or had the businesses affected have interdimensional insect insurance to help cover <laughs> repair costs. <laughs> the deductible's a little high on that one. Yeah, it's a little. So, I said a two and a half, so let's have Brent give it a three and Zach a two. Hey, yeah. that averages out to my score. That's right. It's the last truly bad episode for quite some time, I promise. Welcome back from your vacation, boys. Mine started this morning. I'm going back to bed. Nice. Absolutely. (laughs) You go back to bed. That is a good, good thing. Yeah. Um, I need to check one more spot to make sure I've got all of the, um, all of the Facebook comments. And now, come on, load, load. It shall not. Uh, you, you shall, shall not, not load. load. I don't know. If there are more, I can't find them. So we'll move on to emails. <laughs> Email. Let's do it. All right. We do have a couple of emails. One comes from Susan. Aunt Susie. Hi, Susan. So she says, pretty forgettable episode. Mm. I rewatched on Monday, and I don't remember much except getting nostalgic about the folded cuffs on Jack's dad jeans. Oh, okay. Got to pause there. I was I made a comment to Julie as we watched this episode, like, holy early 2000s clothes, O'Neal. I mean, the baggy clothes, the things that yes. were about two and a half sizes too big for him, which yes. was so the fashion back in 2003. Oh, yeah. I get it, but holy smokes. Yeah, there was a the, this one was a little bit of a nostalgia bomb too. Um, every time that they're out in the world, like it's it's just enjoyable because this thing was twenty years ago. Yes, right. And while I make a very, I think I make a very cogent argument about how the world has not changed in the last twenty years, like it did the twenty years prior, or the twenty years prior to that, or the twenty years prior to that, or the twenty years prior to that, or the twenty years prior to that. Um, that indeed. There are still some parts about early 2000s which do not look like they fit in today at all. That's one of them. Yes. Yep. Okay. So, back to Susie. Mm -hmm. Once again, they messed with alien technology and brought it back to the SGC to study, which, of course, they shouldn't have. And a story is born. I wondered why they just kept saying, did you see that? And never describing what they saw. <laughs> then I realized it was because visual effects got added in post-production. Oh, nice. Did you see that? What did you see, Jonas? I can't say it because I'm are not you, sure if the artists are going to be able to draw it. <laughs> are you seeing something right there? Because if you're seeing something right there, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Points generically in a direction. <laughs> Medium close up to allow him to be anywhere in the room. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, <clears throat> I was baffled by the giant deductive leaps Sam and Jonas were making and figuring out how to rejigger the alien device. Oh, it's yeah. a wonder it just didn't blow up or send them all to Bug World. But that's another story. Someone do the math, count the number of crystals, and figure out how many possible permutations. There. They should have had Ooh. to try to find the right one to undo the radiation's effect. Uh-huh. That's what I said, Susie. Yep. Yes. Uh, Susie says, I give it a three as an uninspired episode. 
Brent will give yep. it a five for the flying centipedes and the humor. <laughs> Zach, a 3.5 because he knows this episode, like Bane, adds nothing to the mythology. Yep, yep, yep. Very close. Well done. Yep. Very well done. All right. And then we have David's prediction. Hi, David. David says, nasty bugs are in the Chevron encoding bias buffer. And, oh, of course, no. there's a cool little picture of a centipede and, centipede and ASCII there nice. in the middle of that. So that's, that's just lovely. Yeah. Uh, so David originally sent this, like, five weeks ago. Uh-huh. Uh, and then last <laughs> night, he's like, I got to resend it because I forgot something. And I'm like, ah, okay. So this is his resent one. His is his revised predictions got it how can interdimensional bugs simultaneously crawl through and on objects weren't we only seeing them because of plot but they can see us and latch onto windshields the device didn't bring them through the dimensions only made us able to see them right so Mm -hmm. explain to me how they can interact with our stuff does our dimension protrude into theirs like the upside down and stranger things and don't get me started on the trope of, we brought another device from an alien planet without <laughs> investigating it, so let's just turn it on and see what happens, plot device. They should know better by now, seriously. That being said, this episode is not terrible. The concept of interdimensional bugs always being there and crawling all over our stuff is interesting. That is true. Mm-hmm. I also like it when the show takes place outside showing the real world ramifications of the law of unintended consequences Mm -hmm. with what Stargate Command does every day. To sum it up, the premise of this episode does the the premise of this episode was stupid, but it was executed well. A well executed stupid idea. Okay, yeah. Brent says Bane factor in play here, six chevrons. Yes. Zach, no Bane factor here Five chevrons. Oh, my goodness. David, you're too good at this game. Oh, man. Very close. Yeah. Very, very close. Okay. And those are our predictions. Awesome. Thank you, everybody. Yes. Thank you very, very much, everybody, for those. I love those for this. So much fun. So much fun. I was thinking about this the other day. I I was, I think I was driving into work, and I was considering... Uh, the reality that there's there's a bunch of you all that are listening to Zach and me ramble about a sci-fi television show and how nice it is to have this just exist. Like, like a big part of this fun is this engagement right here. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. It is a it is a delight to go through a television show with a bunch of people. <laughs> like, like I'm doing this for the first time. And so like having all these perspectives and talking about why this works and why this doesn't work and like how it relates to what we've seen before and all these like, you know, I can, I can tell people know things, obviously. And y'all are sharing that amongst yourselves and I'm oblivious and I'm happy to be oblivious. This is a, this is so much fun. This is I this is a delightful privilege. Thank you very much everybody for for doing this with me, with Zach, with us. Um I I I it, I have a unique privilege and I see it and I thank you for it. Oh, 100%. I I totally reiterate everything you said. Uh, I, you know, I I started this project uh back 
what, three years ago, because mm-hmm. I wanted an excuse to, A, do a podcast, and B, talk to my friend Brent all the time, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and that's that's wonderful, and I love that, but but this has become so much more than that, and, and you know, I mean, I met David through this podcast, and, and right. David is awesome, and, and we have some great conversations, and, and uh, I never once thought that I would have not one, but two spinoff podcasts on this one, which is exciting, um, and... And and all of you listeners out there, I, I I am, you know, don't take this the wrong way, but I'm baffled that you want to hear me babble on about this episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, and got, I'm appreciative of that, that you do, yes. and I thank you very much uh, for that. It's lots of fun. Absolutely. Okay, Brent. Mm-hmm. The next episode of Stargate SG-1 is entitled Smoke and Mirrors. Mm-hmm. And as the expert on all things coming up in the Star Tre- Stargate world, mm-hmm. I ask you what Smoke and Mirrors is all about. Mm-hmm. Uh, smoke and Mirrors. Okay. Um, smoke and Mirrors. Uh, uh, boy. I've been out of practice with this for too long. I don't, I don't know what I got here. Okay, all right. Let's just, let's just try to make something out of nothing, which is different than any other time I've done this. <laughs> I <right>. am <clears throat> expecting gold. Uh-huh. Okay. Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team travels through the gate to find themselves on a strange world. They find themselves seemingly inside a a, a, a vast and expansive civilization that has disappeared for a long time now. Ancient ruins litter the landscape. This is completely not like any other episode we've ever seen before. And off in the distance, they see what appears to be an enormous monument made of gold. There's your gold, Zach. Ah, I was expecting that. Thank you. Yes. Appreciate that. Mm-hmm. They walk towards this monument of gold, and they see that it is of none other than their former arch-nemesis. Uh, uh, why can't... I, I'm only thinking of Anubis. Apophis? Was, thank you! Oh my gosh. And they, 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 they see that it is the statue of their former arch-nemesis, Apophis. Yes, that Apophis, who died and was resurrected, and then died again, and presumably... I think died a third time, but definitely died that one time. He was super dead that one time. Vaporized. You can't you can't come back from that. You can't you can't stick vapor in a sarcophagus, Zach. What would you get? A sentient cloud? Psh, no. So Hey, never say never. So they walk up to this thing and they hear it off into the distance. Impressive, isn't it? In that goldy way. <gasps> what? What? Where? What? And off in the distance, they see none other than Apophis. What? <gasps> How is he alive? What is this trickery? What is this magic? It's like he's being projected on some smoke with some. Mi- oh, wait a minute. It's just smoke and mirrors, but he's talking to them. Yes, Colonel O'Neill, I know who you are. You have led to my destruction several times. How can the how can the ghost of 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 Apophis be talking to our team through the smoke and mirrors? That is the mystery. Find out next time on Stargate SG-1. Smoke 
and mirrors. Yeah. Tell you so, what, that was an okay idea. I, I, so, I'd watch so I, that. I think that, that would be that would be a perfectly good idea. Yeah. Um, is this, that uh, is not have... what this episode is about. Dang it. Because this is one of those times when they don't go to a strange new world. They stay on a strange world. Okay. Well. All right. Shall okay. we watch the promo? <laughs> Yeah, I'm a little disappointed, but sure, let's let's watch this thing. All right, we're going to watch the promo. I'm hitting play now. Next time on Stargate SG-1. What? Senator Kinsey has been killed, and Jack O'Neill is the prime suspect. Wait. Hey, what? Back. What did I miss? Sir, Senator Kinsey is dead. Wait. He was shot. What? Their investigation only leads to deeper mysteries. There we go. All present and accounted for. Add your card. Welcome to NIDA. And the truth puts everyone at risk. I would like you to pay General Hammond a visit. It's all next time on Stargate SG-1. Huh. He still refuses to play ball. Then kill him. Wait, what? 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 Wait, what? What? <laughs> wow. Huh. Okay. All right, I find it David. That we're bringing Kinsey back just to kill him, but all right. David, well done. That mm. was spectacular. I really liked that promo. Knowing what's going to happen, ah, uh, ah, oh, yes, good job. <laughs> good. I'm glad. I'm intrigued. I'm not sure that I'm quite that effervescent with my uh, effervescent. Effusent? <laughs> You're effervescent. Are you a smoke and mirror now too, oh, David? Oh my, that's okay. such, a, such a wonderful promoter. Promoter. I don't know. I'm trying to be bubbly. Okay, uh, that must mean that I'm kind of tapped out. <laughs> <laughs> I just choked on water. Yay! The the keg the keg is done. It's just spitting now. All right. Well, uh, tell us what you think about this episode. You can email us at walkingthroughthestargate@gmail.com. You can of course find us on Twitter at Stargate Walking, or go to the Facebook page, or Patreon page, or the website, or all of those fun things. Do that fun stuff and be fun and and have fun and. <laughs> <clears throat> Until next time, I say I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And we will see you next time. Wait, bye? Is that... How does it normally go? You go, bye. No, I, but I say, but, but there's a thing that you normally say. Uh, I, I say, so, um, so I, I say I'm time. Zach. Bye. Yeah. And no, you and say I'm Brent. I'm Brent oh, and I whatever. say, we'll see, them see next you time. next time. Bye. Better dial it up. Get these people home. <laughs> bye. <laughs> Ha 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 ha!